Welcome back, listeners, to the Through the Psalms podcast. I'm Wesley Provine. Today we're going to be talking about Psalm 5. If you look in your Bible at the superscription above the psalm, it says, To the chief musician with wind instruments, a psalm of David. So David wrote this psalm. And as far as the music accompaniment to it, it was originally for uh, wind instruments. Some translations say for flutes and other translations say pipes. But we're going to focus on the uh, text of the psalm. And this is a morning psalm uh, because if you look in verse 3, you'll see that he says, uh, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. Last week we talked about Psalm 4, and Psalm 4 was an evening psalm. in Psalm 4, 8, he said, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. So Psalm 4 is an evening psalm. Psalm 5 is a morning psalm. Well, let's go ahead and read the psalm, and then we'll discuss it. Psalm 5, verse 1. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, And in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions. For they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous. With favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. Okay, just a quick outline here of the psalm. In verses 1 and 2, you have the plea of David. Verse 3, you have the prayer of David. Verses 4 through 6, you have the proscription. Verse 7, you have the piety of David. Verse 8, you have the petition of David. Verses 9 and 10, you have the pronouncement. And verses 11 and 12, you have the promise of protection. So in verses 1 and 2, David makes a plea for God to listen to his prayers That word in verse 1, meditation, can be translated groaning. So he asks God to listen to his words that he prays and consider his groaning. He asks God in verse 2 to hearken or listen unto his voice, listen unto the voice of his cry. And so you you see here that David uh, asks God to hear his prayer. He makes a plea for God to listen to him. Uh, the word groaning kind of indicates that he might be in some kind of uh, distress. And uh, and so you see, once again, uh, the heart of David here, 
uh, pouring out his soul and his um, pouring out his heart and his emotions to God in prayer. Interestingly, he calls um, God in verse two. He says, "My King and my God." Now, keep in mind that David was a king, and so he realizes that God is his king. Even though David has a throne and he's the king of Israel, he realizes that God is the king of kings and that David is accountable to God and that he, even though David is a king, he has to submit to God because God is his king. And he calls him my God. So you see the humility of David. You can contrast that with some of the other uh, unbelieving kings in the Bible. You think about Nebuchadnezzar and you think of his um, pride and and how he was lifted up in his pride and he he uh, that God had to humble him and and uh, Nebuchadnezzar was crawling on all fours and eating grass like an animal uh, because God um, humbled him. And then eventually Nebuchadnezzar looked up and realized that God uh, was God and that that Nebuchadnezzar was not. And so it just makes you appreciate the humility of David when you think of other kings that were not nearly as humble as he was. Um, David's, you see in verse 3, you see David's confidence. Uh, He has confidence, he has faith that God will hear his prayer. Uh, And he prays in the morning. I think it's important that we all start our day off in prayer in the morning. Of course, we can pray any time of day. And the Psalms talks about praying in the morning and at noon and, and in the evening. Uh, but it's very important, I think, that we start our day off in prayer, uh, and it's just a great way to start your day. We see there in uh, verses 4 and 5 that God is holy. You know, we live in a day where um, a lot of times uh, in Christianity, God's love is emphasized, but we rarely talk about God's holiness uh, we rarely talk about the wrath of God, but the Bible um, presents both sides and both aspects of God. The Bible presents God as a God of love, but it also presents God as a holy God, and it also says that God is a God of wrath. Uh, if you notice there in um, verse 5, it talks about how God hates all workers of iniquity. Uh, now, that language almost sounds harsh to our modern ears. We sometimes think, well, God doesn't hate anybody. But it's important that we realize that God uh, is holy and he doesn't, um, he can't just tolerate uh, sin. Um, sin must be punished and the book of Psalms is clear that uh, God's face is against those who do evil. And 
so we see we see here once again a contrast between the righteous and the wicked like i said in psalm 1 you'll see this theme running throughout the psalms this contrast between the righteous who trust in god and do his will and the wicked who love violence and love wickedness and sin and you see that contrast between the two once again here but notice that um david says but as for me so he uh distinguishes himself here uh he says that he's not like the wicked uh but he wants to seek god and follow him we'll come back to that in a second but if you look at verse um at verse 6 so thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing and again that word leasing means uh falsehood and then again then after that it says the lord will abhor the bloody or the bloodthirsty and deceitful man so two things we get from that verse is that the lord hates uh lying or falsehood and he hates uh violence and uh, people who are bloodthirsty. And uh, David says that God will destroy those that um, practice such things. But then he says, you know, but as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Uh, That phrase, but as for me, it it's reminiscent of what uh, Joshua said uh, when Joshua was speaking to the people of Israel, and he said, you know, he he told them that uh, they had to choose, um, choose this day whom you will serve, and uh, whether you're going to serve the the pagan gods, the idols of the land, or whether you're going to serve God. And and, jo- and and Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so, likewise, you have David here saying that he's going to serve the Lord. He said that he uh, will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. So David's practice, or the pattern of David's life, was to go into the house of the Lord, uh, to worship the Lord. I think it's important that we set that pattern in our lives of going to the house of the Lord to worship the Lord. And it is a, it is a habit that you develop. It's if it's if you get out of the habit, it's easy to neglect that, and so it's it's a discipline, it's a practice, it's a habit, it's a way of life that uh, you do it every uh, on a regular basis, every week, um, or more often than that. Uh, but we all get into habits, and one habit that we should get into is going to the house of the Lord. I love that phrase on the multitude of thy mercy. You know, we just talked about how God is a God of wrath and he hates uh, wickedness and he hates sin. Uh, But he's also a God of love and a God of mercy. And the Bible has a lot to say about his mercy. Uh, In other um, Psalms, it talks about how God's mercy endures forever. Uh, And this phrase here in the multitude of thy mercy his, his mercy is abundant uh it's multiplied uh to those that love him 
And so thank God for his multitude of mercies to us. The book of Lamentations uh, talks about how his mercies are new every morning. So we ought to thank God daily for his mercy to us. You know, I mentioned before the, the wrath of God. It's important that we realize that the wrath of God is on those who have not believed the gospel. If we want to avoid the wrath of God, we do so by putting our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting in him for salvation. And when we become a Christian, we become a believer and put our faith in Christ, then we're no longer under the wrath of God because that wrath has been paid for by Christ on the cross. The wrath of God is for unbelievers who reject uh, Jesus. But as a believer, we can be, uh, we can, uh, be glad and we can rejoice that God has shown us mercy. And of course, David was a believer. And so he uh, says that he comes into God's house in the multitude of thy mercy. The second part of verse 7 says, And in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. So David also feared God. Um, we talked about, I think it was last week in, in the book of Proverbs, how uh, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom. And so we too ought to fear the Lord as we worship him. We realize that he is a holy God and we are to be reverent and to honor him and to fear him because he is holy. The Bible says, be ye holy as I am holy. And so we ought to remember that he is a holy God. In verse 8, uh, David asked for guidance or he asked God to lead him. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. You know, if we keep in mind that this is a morning psalm, David seems to already be anticipating that he's going to run into enemies. He realizes his day is just beginning, but the enemies are out there. And, you know, as you wake up and as you pray, you know, we don't know what the day holds, but we know we're going into a world that's often dangerous and hostile. And so it's important for us to pray for God's protection uh, from our enemies or from those things that might harm us. Uh, David realizes that life is often a battle and that we have enemies. As If we're a believer, we probably have enemies. And so, you know, I've heard it said before that there's different ways of viewing life. You can view life as an adventure. You can view life as a romance you can view life as a play. You can view view life as a battle. Well, here it seems like David viewed life as a battle. And the Bible talks about how we should dress ourselves in the full armor of God. And I think every morning it would probably be a good idea to pray, Lord, dress me and my loved ones in the full armor of God and protect me from my enemies. Uh, I don't think that's a bad prayer to pray in the morning. Uh, you don't want to be, you know, paranoid that there's a, 
a threat behind you know every corner, but at the same time, I think we ought to pray for God's uh, protection. But also pray for God's wisdom. He asked God to lead him in thy righteousness. Because of his enemies, he realizes that if he slips and he falls and he makes a bad decision, that his enemies are going to use that against him. And so he's asking God to guide him so that he will make the right decisions, especially considering that his enemies are out to get him. The Bible promises that if we ask God for wisdom, that he will give it to us. In the book of James, it tells us to ask God for wisdom, and God gives liberally to all who ask, if we ask in faith. And so, uh, you know, the book of Proverbs talks about how we should value wisdom more than we value uh, gold or rubies. Um, So we ought to seek God's wisdom and we ought to ask God for wisdom and ask him to lead us and to guide us. In verse 9, it's actually a quote from Romans chapter 3 and verse 13. Now just a side note here, sometimes when you're reading the New Testament and it quotes from the Old Testament, sometimes you'll notice that it's not an exact quote and the wording is a little bit different. One of the reasons for that is because sometimes the New Testament quotes the Septuagint, uh, and the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and so that's why the wording is a little bit different sometimes when the New Testament quotes uh, the Old Testament, is because sometimes the New Testament writers are quoting from the Greek Septuagint and not from the Hebrew. Uh, But this is a quote of Romans 3.13, And if you're familiar with Romans chapter 3, you realize that uh, that chapter talks about how all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it talks about the sinfulness of of mankind and how everyone has sinned. And uh, it's describing uh, sinful mankind and it's talking about how there's none that seek after God and it talks about how their words are evil and their compares their throat or their mouth to an open sepulcher. Uh, it talks about the, their flattery with their tongue. And so you just see a realistic, um, honest picture of sinful humanity here. And David here is talking about his enemies but when Paul quotes it in Romans, he uses it to describe the sinfulness of all of mankind. And we are all sinners, and we have all fallen short of the glory of God, and we all need a Savior. And thank God that he provided that Savior for us. And David asked God to destroy his enemies um, and to cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. Uh, this is what you call an imprecatory prayer, where David prays uh, against his enemies. And you'll see this throughout the Psalms. This is another theme of the Psalms, is uh, prayer uh, for retribution against one's enemies. In verse 
11 and 12, uh, David kind of switches gears and he talks about the blessing and the joy that the Lord provides. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. You see there the transition. There, there are the In verses 9 and 10, we talked about the, the faithless people, the wicked people, the enemies. But in verse 11, he transitions to those that put their trust in the Lord. And he says, let them rejoice and let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. I mean, the major theme of that verse there is joy. Uh, those that trust in the Lord will be joyful because God will defend them. He will protect them. Uh and so I think we talked about this last week or the week before. There should be joy in our lives as believers. Uh, one of the byproducts of being a believer is that there is joy in your heart. Uh, and God gives us that joy. And we talked about how if there is no joy, that it's kind of a sign that something's wrong. It's something that should get our attention. And we should realize that there's some kind of correction that we need to make because there should be joy uh, in our lives. That's not to say that we're always smiling and happy and without problems. It just means that we have a deep inner joy that abides in our heart because of our relationship with Christ. And he also talks about how God defends him and protects him. Um, verse 12, he says, For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. So God's blessing is promised to those who trust in him, those who believe in him, those who are righteous. You know, God promises to bless them with joy, with protection. It says, With favor. Wilt thou compass him as with the shield? That word compass is just an old King James word that means to surround. So he's saying that God will surround the righteous with favor as with the shield. That's a wonderful word picture there. If you think about that, God surrounds us with his favor as a shield. So you see a sense of protection there for the believer, but also a sense of blessing, of joy, of favor. So it's a wonderful promise to the believer that God will bless us, that God will surround us with his favor and with his protection. And that kind of goes back to the armor of God that we talked about. If you read the book of Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about the armor of God and he lists, I believe it's six items that are part of the armor of God. One of the items is the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. And here David is talking about the the shield that surrounds us, the shield of God's favor. So wonderful promises, wonderful blessings that the Lord gives us as believers. So in conclusion, what is this psalm about? Well, as I said before, you see here the contrast between the righteous and the wicked. Uh, once again, as we, we saw in Psalm 1, uh, we see again uh, the promise of blessing 
to those who put their trust in the Lord that if we put our trust in God, he will protect us, he will give us joy, and he will bless us in many ways. And then finally, I just think we can see here that David again was a man of prayer, that he took his concerns to God in prayer, and whatever his need was, whether he was discouraged and he needed encouragement, whether he was afraid and he needed protection, uh, whatever David needed, he came to God in prayer, and God provided for him and blessed him because he sought God. It's a great lesson for us, is not to seek fulfillment or satisfaction in the things of the world, but to always seek God first and foremost. Well, that's all for this week. I pray God's blessings upon you. I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you.